What was the best hit that you've ever had, and why is it the uh, flawless Mahomes? <laughs> Never done this before, but I like to call this my uh, friends with Ben, Jeff Hofer introduction for you. My man. All right. All right. All right. Let's get it started. Okay. One, two, one, two, three, four. Just quiet, like the behavior. No, just the Jeff Hofer, welcome to Friends with Ben. <laughs> Am I allowed to talk now, dude? I don't want to mess up your intro. No, that was pretty much it. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, that was a song from Freaky Friday. And yes, that was a Guitar Hero controller. I wanted to ask you <laughs> to lead. I wanted to ask as a result of that intro, what can you tell me about Freaky Friday as well as Guitar Hero? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, Freaky Friday is a classic. Everybody, that was, uh, that was, geez, that was pre-broken down Lindsay Lohan <laughs> when she was still the sweet Disney princess. Um, and, uh, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, it's a great classic, classic movie. And there may have been a cameo by a card collector. Uh, which card collector would, ha would that happen to be? Gosh, man. Uh, that was me. And, uh, I, I knew immediately when I heard that song, what it was from, because that day of taping, as you know, if you're working on set yourself, they, you will hear the same song in a sequence like that 25 times. It it was, it was wild. And I, uh, I, that song still kind of haunts me, but it's, it's been a few years since I've heard it. Freaky Friday was one of those movies I watched uh, watched as a kid and was like, you know, I had I had a small, small crush on, uh, you know, pre-trained wreck Lindsay Lohan. Just, of course. Just a, just a small one, like like anyone like anyone did. But uh, what can you tell me about Guitar Hero? Oh, man. OK, so um, Guitar Hero was one of one of the coolest gigs I've ever had. And, and granted, like I've had I've happened into a lot of really fun jobs uh fortunately just randomly and and with lots of luck uh but guitar hero they were recording so if you are familiar with guitar hero they have um they have the audience singing in a lot of the songs you you hear like it's a live performance so they were casting for like five people to sing all of these classic hits together and Literally, I was cast as the dude who couldn't sing, which is, <laughs> which is total truth. 
because, and the reasoning was there's at least one guy at every concert that's a horrible singer, but singing louder than anyone else. So you can hear their voice. So I was with like these trained singers who were singing beautifully along with these songs, like they're in the audience. And, and here I was, you know, breaking windows and, you know, hurting feelings with my voice, but it was a blast. Like what a way to make, you know, make it, make a living for a couple of weeks. That's that's absolutely incredible, man. So <laughs> one of so first off, one of the things that really drew me to you is I realized uh, just how alike we really are in uh, learning a lot about you. And one of the biggest things is we both share two common loves in sports as well as film, and so or sports cards and filmmaking, right? Absolutely. Uh, so and I, in case it wasn't obvious, with you know that incredible performance there. But also, as we were just talking about uh, with your with your own uh, cameo appearances, uh, we both have acting backgrounds as well, somewhat, you know, for I, I mean, somewhat for me, I, you know, I, I never had, uh, you know, any epic uh, appearances like yourself. <laughs> but um, with that said, I have to ask, uh, what can you tell me about uh, your mother running for Kansas State Senate? Oh, my gosh, dude, you you've done your research. Uh, <laughs> this is really impressive, Ben. Uh, so when I was a kid, my, uh, my mom, I grew up in Kansas. My mom, uh, she had worked in politics, but she never ran for office. So she ran for the state Senate of Kansas and she ended up winning a term. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself in order during the campaign. Like, you know, you do campaign commercials. That's just what you do. Um, so she had a series of local campaign commercials which turned out to be my first on-camera job. Of course, nice. it didn't pay very well, but uh, <laughs> the benefit was that my mom, you know, won a job. So, uh, yeah, I was in one of them. You may remember remember me as the kid that kicked the uh, soccer ball to his mom. <laughs> uh, there was there was another one where I started as the child uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, these are pivotal roles in an actor's life. Of course, of course. These are these are like the Citizen Kane of child actors roles, right? <laughs> the Citizen Kane of a seven-year-old, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, to, <laughs> to be an actor, you need to have that kind of like self-confidence. You well, know? I, hey, have you ever talked about your your acting background on any of your episodes? I'm curious myself. So what, what <laughs> okay, a great okay. time to hear about this. <laughs> Um, mine's, mine's, mine's super minimal. Um, nothing, no big roles. I was never in like ACTRA or, uh, any agency or anything like that. Okay. But, um, yeah, I went to school for comedy writing and performance. Um, I heard that you, uh, as a child, you wanted to be a stand up comedian when you grow up, but apparently, you know, there's no schooling for that, at least until a couple of, couple of years ago with me. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I got started. Cause I never really wanted to. I, I don't know if I felt like I was cut out for uh, film and acting school itself. So that was kind of like that lateral move of like, okay, I'm still kind of in the space, you know, we can do stand up, improv, sketch, do all, do yeah. all that kind of stuff. I think you got it, Ben. So <laughs> I, for what it's worth, I hope you don't, you know, completely throw in the towel and just become a hobby content creator. There's more out there for you, brother. <laughs> Uh, th thank, thank you, boss. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, uh, speaking of sketch comedy, uh, what can you tell me about Reese Rios? Oh my gosh! Uh, well, Reese Rios is a buddy of mine and also my arch enemy. <laughs> um, he so when I when I uh, 
moved back to Texas from California. I was out in LA for a while. Um, I was auditioning for commercials, which has been kind of my bread and butter over the years for acting. And, uh, and so I would get really close to booking these really big commercial jobs. And, you know, they would call it hold or write a first refusal. This is what they, when they, they narrow it down to a short list of like three actors. Um, and, and these are, uh, these are for the people who haven't got out for auditions. So you probably know all this, Ben, but um, so they'll, they'll narrow it down the field down to like three actors, which it's out of like 50 to begin with. So you're already feeling pretty good. And they, they put you on hold. It's like, you hold this date. If we decide you're the one, you know, this is the day we're filming. So if you get put on hold, you're, you, you can taste it. You're so close. And for some reason I would get put on hold and inevitably I would get released and then I would find out because we had the same agent that Reese Rios booked this. And I, I can't tell you how many times I heard this. And finally, like Reese and I became buddies. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I, you're such a nice guy, but I want to hate you. <laughs> I can't tell you how much money you've taken from me, booking <laughs> commercials over me. And, you know, he's just, he's just the guy who he's, he's incredibly likable as we, we did a web series called Dallywood. It was like Hollywood and Dallas. Um, and Reese plays my, my like arch rival. And, and I actually say in one of the episodes, he's impossible to dislike. And that that's, he literally makes himself impossible to dislike but I really wanted to for a while there. But Reese's Reese is in LA now killing it. He's nice. You would see that guy like you turn on primetime TV and you will wow. definitely see Reese in a massive like national commercial. He's yeah, he's doing very well. That that's one of those best examples of like when you're writing sketch comedy to draw from your own life experiences, right? All, all the best comedy comes from like an honest place. So it does. When I when I was watching that over, I was like why do I, why do I feel like, uh, why do I, why does this, because the thing is, it's like, it's a very relatable story as well. So I was like, mm, he might, you know, Je- Je- Jeff must be drawing from a, some, some experience here, but uh, no, I love it. This is so, this is so appropriate though, because Reese is a big card collector. No way. He really is. He's a huge card collector. He's, he's, he's like one of my friends who, uh, you know, I'll post something on Instagram and I'll get a text from Reese saying like, dude, when'd you get that? That sort of thing. Like he, he's a, he's my card buddy now. That that's incredible. That's a, that's one of those perfect uh, uh, a, a enemies turned best bread arrivals. Enemies turned like best friends. Like yeah, stories, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and 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 it all and it all came from a sketch comedy from a piece of sketch comedy. I love it. I love it. It did. But, but uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, making a living off of sketch comedy is next to impossible unless you're Lorne Michaels. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's, it's tough to make a career out of, right. You know, so, the toughest. you know, uh, thankfully for you, you're one of what I call like, like to call a Jack of all trades, you know, actor, writer, producer, creator, you know, you put on Thank all you. the, you put on all those different hats. Right. So I guess that leads me perfectly into this next question. Um, what can you tell me about 1985 tops? Uh, 1985 tops is my favorite sports card set of all time. Hands down. It was the first set I ever collected. It was, it was the first set that I would go to the card shop just to buy 
go to the grocery store because back then you could buy them at the grocery store. It wasn't just Target and Walmart. You go to the grocery store, you could go to 7-Eleven um, and I, I would find them wherever I possibly could. Every cent of my allowance would go towards 1985 tops. And uh, Dwight Gooden was the big rookie in that set, especially in 85. He was, he was massive. So um, I, I have the softest spot in my heart for 1985 tops. It will never be junk waxed. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, so uh, to the audience watching or listening at home, they're probably like, what the hell does creating content in 1985 tops have to do with anything? Well, to, <laughs> to those who, to those who watch me on YouTube, uh, I am very anti ripping wax and opening packs. Wow. Um, however, my good friend Jeff here, is on the opposite side of that spectrum. And I feel like I feel like you'll explain you'll explain the reason why and what that has to do with uh, uh, creating content. I can do that. So um, I, I I started a show and actually you guys know how many uh, breakers there are now with YouTube <laughs> shows. I mean you you can't throw a rock without hitting one. Um, or you can't throw a pack without hitting one. <laughs> much more appropriate joke, right? Um, I uh, so back in like 2009, 2010, which seems like you know forever ago, but it wasn't that long. <laughs> yeah. um, I I started a show because I, I've always loved opening packs, Lo mm -hmm. opening old packs like packs from the 70s, packs from the 80s, whenever. Um, and I was opening these great packs. And I was on a sports card forum and I would, I would tell my, my friends on the sports card forum, like, man, I opened these packs and, you know, here's scans of the cards I got. But I realized there was kind of this gap in the enjoyment. Like the real enjoyment is the treasure hunt, like opening up these packs or these boxes and not knowing what you're going to get. Maybe you're just going to fall on your face. Maybe you're going to pull, you know, a thousand dollar card, who knows? So um, I decided at the time that I would just set up this super rudimentary production setup. And this is, I, I was an actor at the time, but I wasn't, I wasn't involved in like creating content and certainly at a professional level at that time myself. So I had this little DSLR camera on a tripod over, literally over my shoulder. You, oh, the over your shoulder shot is a very popular production term, but this was literally pointed over my shoulder. And the idea was that I wanted people to feel like they were opening these packs with me. So um, I, I had the camera. Most of the shots were out of focus because there was no way for me to check focus when the camera's literally over my shoulder and I'm opening up the packs. And so I, I ended up creating this series called Pack Geek. And it was all about sharing the packs I was opening with my friends on the Collector's Universe forums, which was the PSA forum. It was, it was kind of blowout before blowout became what, you know, the monster it is today. Yeah. But uh, but it was so much fun. And, you know, I, I, I loved the early days and wax, wax packs and boxes were a fraction of what they are now. So you could actually do a show breaking packs or boxes and not break the bank like you would now. Um, so yeah, that's how I started Packy. And that's really kind of the, uh, the, uh, the, the motivation behind doing that show. Yeah. And what I love about Pack Geek is that it really shows the essence of yourself as a true collector, right? You're I I'm, I'm a, the reason why I'm so anti ripping wax is because people who pe the people who do it, uh, they do it for that dopamine hit. 
Um, and those are the ones who fi find themselves going down that rabbit hole of like buying into so many breaks. And it's like, it's like gambling, right? That's well, it's definitely, it is gambling for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously if you're not doing it in healthy doses or, you know, uh, um, if you, yeah, if you're not doing it in healthy doses, uh, it can get very, very dangerous, not only to yourself, but like, you know, to your bank account and everything. Dude, like you that. aren't going out on a limb. This is legit. Yeah. It could be bad for your health. It could be bad. Certainly bad mm -hmm. for your bank account, mm -hmm. bad for your relationships. Like you yep. can, you can take enjoying breaking packs in a really dark direction. Yeah. But what I love about how you do it is that you, you, d you do it for the fun of it. Right. It's like you said, it's like a poor man's treasure hunt and you're doing, yeah. you're rip the best part is like, you're ripping all these packs, you know, for the nostalgia purposes, the ones from your childhood. And, uh, I can kind of get the feeling that, you know, I, I, I could get the sense of the storyteller and the content creator in you, like the filmmaker in you, because in every episode that I've seen, it feels very much like the hero's journey. You know, <laughs> you're hunting, you're hunting for that, for that, that one rookie card. And then it's like, Oh, will he, or won't he? Is that, it's just, <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, I, I absolutely love it. And that's, that, that's what, that's what drew me to you as well as your content. So I appreciate it. Thank you, you brother. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always say this and I, I can't tell you how many friends I have that wouldn't dare open a pack, mm -hmm. much less a box of, of cards. Just, they either collect or they either either that or they see how bad of an investment it typically is opening the material because you at least 50 percent of the time you lose almost all value by opening that you know unless you're pulling big cards um but i i like that's part of the fun of this show is i'm the guy out there kind of taking the risks for my friends we're doing this first person so they can kind of feel like they're opening packs and they don't have to spend the money. Like let, let your buddy Jeff go and <laughs> blow his allowance on, uh, on, on cards and, and you sit back and you buy the singles like a smart collector would and, and you enjoy that. So it's the best of both worlds. What was the, what was the best hit that you've ever had and why is it the uh, flawless Mahomes? <laughs> oh man well i i think if i have to look back on all the cards it is probably yeah. the out of five flawless mahomes mm -hmm. it was the first it was the first time i'd ever even learned about flawless product um i was learning from tracy hackler who's with panini i mean who better to tell you about a panini product than their brand manager um so tracy literally showed up at my house to tape an episode of the show. He brings this James Bond briefcase. I'm like, what have you got there? You know, what are you doing? Um, and uh, he, you know, introduced me to this and we had a wild box. I think there were, there were two one of ones and then there was a Mahomes out of five uh, auto rookie and it was just wild. But um, I, I always say that is, that's my best hit. But I think if I go back depending on when you're asking me, because card prices fluctuate so much. Yeah. I did have a break like way back when in 2009 or 2010, where I opened, I think 10 packs of 1980, 81 tops basketball. Oh, wow. And I pulled, I want to say I pulled two uh, bird magic rookies, but it may have been, it, it may have been just one. Okay. Oh, there was, uh, th so that was a big hit, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I did open one where it was 10 packs of 86 tops football and I pulled two rice rookies. That was one of my best hits. I don't think it was two bird magic. I think I'm getting confused with the, the Jerry rice, but there's been a lot of big hits over the year, but you know, I don't, I'm not a big case breaker. 
the case breakers are the ones that pull like the hundred thousand dollar cards. So that's hard to compete with. I'm kind of like the, uh, the, uh, treasure hunter on a budget. (laughs) So I don't, I don't hit the big mother load all that often. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've never personally have gotten like a big hit. Like I think the biggest hit I ever had was I went into an LCS. This was near the beginning of my entry into the hobby. And I just bought a random pack of uh, 2018 hoops. Okay. And, uh, and, and I pulled, uh, as you can see here, I pulled uh, a, ba- a base Luca rookie my and, I man. Was, and I was losing my absolute shit. <laughs> and, and the, the other, the other owners of the card shop or whatever, they came out and they're like, what, what happened? What happened? And, they're, <laughs> and I'm like, I pulled a Luca. And he's like, Oh, Cause he thought he thought I pulled like an auto or, or something like crazy like that. But to me at the time, because you know, I didn't know any better. I was like a Luka Doncic rookie. I was like, Dude, yeah. that's a great hit. Yeah, yeah. Hey, for the rest of us, we would all been celebrating just like you've been. You kept yeah. it real. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it it's one of those things that that's what that's what makes it exciting, right? Regardless of you know, the actual monetary value of the card itself. It's, it's that, it's that euphoric rush of when you, you pull it and it, it takes you back to being a kid, you know, dude, it, it's amazing. And you know, it, it's sports cards are really fun. And I, I'd forgotten how much fun it was. To, this is going to sound weird. I'm going to make myself sound like such an old dude, such a boomer. <laughs> um, I, 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 for, for so long, I collected vintage cards mm-hmm. that I forgot how much fun it was to collect people who are still playing. So I started collecting Mahomes. I started collecting Luca. And it was like, it's so cool getting to watch these guys play and think like, I feel like I have a little bit of ownership in these athletes because, you know, I've got a couple of their cards in my collection. That's a cool feeling, man. Cause like the ups and downs of their career, you kind of ride with them on that. I, I just love that. I think that's one of the best parts of the hobby is getting to feel like you have a certain amount of uh, stake in these players' Absolutely. careers. Yeah, it's like it's like you have your own your own equity in, in each of these players, right? Well said. Well said. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it's fun. So I'm glad that you brought up both uh, Mahomes and Luca because those were like the two cards that we just referenced. Uh, you, my friend, are super super spoiled because uh, the reason why I'm wearing this is because you know you're living out in Dallas, but like you said, you grew up in Kansas, so. I mean, you got the Chiefs and the Mavs. So, what's that like collecting two of the arguably the biggest stars of their generation right now? Like that's and being fans of their team. It, well, okay, so I gotta I gotta give a little context here. So okay. I, as Ben said, I grew up in Kansas. Um, the Chiefs were our team. Mm-hmm. I was an hour outside of Kansas City, so naturally we were Chiefs fans. And the Chiefs were horrible for the vast majority of my life. So I earned, I earned the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, so, so yeah, I, I big Chiefs fan, big Royals fan. Then when I moved to Texas, it was, it was the first time other than living in LA. I don't count that because I don't like the LA teams. Sorry, Lakers fans. Um, but when I, when I moved to Dallas, uh, you know, I adopted the Mavs as my team and, and they're great, but I, I was, I was on the tail end of Dirk's career. So I'm like, I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to look like such a bandwagoner if I'm, if I'm all about Dirk. Mm -hmm. So when this new Luca guy came along, I was like, I love this kid. He's so fun. Is he really that good? Like everybody else. And, and at that point in time, I'd started collecting Mahomes kind of early on and, uh, and online I would, I would post cards I'd pick up because that's what collectors do. And 
I got flagged so many times by people saying, do you only collect like the best rookies in the league or what's up? I'm like, <laughs> I, I know why you're saying that. I get it. Cause I'd probably think the same thing if I was watching me from the outside, but these are literally my teams. I just lucked yeah. out and had generational talent on both the teams. I follow the chiefs and the Mavericks. And so naturally I wanted to collect their, their new stars, but I, I get it. Anybody that has ever hated on pack geek because he only collects the, the hot <laughs> players out there. Like, sorry, I will, I will buy more Jalen Brunson. I'm cool. That guy's going to be a star too, but whatever makes you guys feel better. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why I, I asked that question. I was like, man, how many bandwagon comments how must you get on like a regular basis? Cause it's like, yeah. if you know, if you know the backstory behind by yourself and like your origins and everything, it's like, okay, I, I get it. But it's just, right. it's, it's just so convenient that it's the two <laughs> stars of their sport where it's just like, Oh man, that's hilarious. Well, dude, that that's, it, it's true. And literally when I started hearing these comments, I was like, I a hundred percent understand where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. I realize how this looks, but I can assure you this is all legit legit fandom but uh but yeah you know i i love your Mavs jersey man i didn't even realize that was a Mavs jersey you're rocking there that's beautiful i i i wore it because you know in honor of my guests i tried to like cater to to each of my guests in some in some capacity you know but uh i appreciate that thing i i knew you'd like it i knew you i thought the winnie the pooh was for me though is that not for me why? Why is that? Wait, is there? Is there? Do, are you a? Are you a Disney fan? Because if, if you're a Disney fan, this is gonna this is gonna spiral into a whole new podcast. <laughs> I, I mean, not not like an obsessive Disney fan, but okay. I mean, I'm not a communist, so I do enjoy <laughs> Disney. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You don't have a lot of communist listeners, do you? Um, I got to check my analytics for that, but I don't believe so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, I think we're all, we're, we're all good. We're all good. We're good. We're good. Oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry guys. All right. <laughs> all right. So I have to ask, uh, what's your favorite insert and why is it kaboom? Gosh, you set me up nicely for this because <laughs> I was, I was going to have to come up with kaboom, but, um, kaboom is a beautiful combination of I'm I'm not a comic book guy, but I love comic books, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not a collector. I love all the movies. I love the characters. It, it is like, it, I've always been a fan of Superman and Batman, of course, because I love the biggest stars. No, because, because they're awesome. Um, and then, of course, the, the cool design, like, it's... Uh, it's it's the ultimate combination of those two worlds in in a sporting card. So what's not to like? <laughs> it's a it's a fanboy's dream, right? Uh, exactly. It, it's it's what I like to say. It's the it's the perfect balance of sports and superheroes. It just combined into one. It's just uh, Gary V digs them. Yeah. Come on now, Ben. Gary V <laughs> Gary V digs them. Exactly. Exactly. Have you ever pulled a kaboom? I have. Yeah. Really? Do you, I've do you, like, it was a crummy one. Okay. Trying to remember what it was. Oh gosh, whose kaboom was it? It escapes me. It was mm, dude. I 
it's going to come to me during this at some well, point in time. We'll I pulled it, we'll one and it was like the worst kaboom you can't. Oh, you can pull. no. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was it it wasn't an episode of Packy, was it? Where it was, it was like you were specifically kaboom hunting. No, it was just one of those like random. Like, yeah, oh. dude, don't go kaboom hunting. <laughs> Buy them as singles. You will yes. open up a million packs. Yes, they're, they're tough. They're, they're hard to get. They're absolutely hard to get. Do you, but, do you have any kabooms? Oh man, you're getting the exclusive here. Oh shoot, lay it on me, Ben, dude. I love the exclusive. See, you always catch you 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 caught you've been catching me off guard because I'm not used to my guests asking me questions. So I'm like, oh, I'm shoot. sorry, man. I'm, I'm no, it's all good. I love it, just like yourself. I, I love it. Um, this is uh, this is my uh, this is one right here. Uh oh, here we go, special sports one. fans. Here we go. Oh, yeah, dude, that's my favorite year. The 2018 basketball are so exactly, dope. exactly. Oh my yeah. gosh, what what is not to like? I mean, you know, Raptors fan Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it's a it's a given. But um, so, are do you do you still like Kawhi? I have to ask. Oh man. Oh, okay. So it's it's very much a love hate relationship with Kawhi. <laughs> the reason being is because yes, yes, he brought us a championship. However, if Kawhi Leonard had stayed in Toronto, the Toronto Raptors would be three-peating right now. And I firmly believe that. It's a hot take, I know. I no, know. no, no. I, they, but they're, they're definitely in contention. Yes, absolutely. And I, I still believe that with how they did last year, and I, I'm going to piss off all of the Laker fans with this one, but we would have, uh, <laughs> this is we would have, right? exactly. We would have made light work of the Lakers. If we still had Kawhi, <laughs> I just light work. Just, Beautiful. I love it, man. Cause we still had the same team. It was just, you know, we were missing Kawhi and look how far it got us. I mean, that series against Boston, I feel like was somewhat of a fluke, you know, that it came down to what the, the last game. And then, Again, I believe that we would have uh, we would have made work out of Miami. But uh, to go back to the kaboom, that's actually not the only kaboom that I own. Um, here we again, go. You're getting another exclusive here. Let's uh, do this. But here's the other. Oh, oh, wait, who am I seeing? I can't read that. Oh, nice. Rosen. Right. Very cool, so, man. Uh, that's hey, that's a that's a legit comic book pose they have him in there. Yeah, so you know, I got the pair here. This is the first time I'm ever showing them, but <laughs> not well, what is this? Spring break? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Oh sorry. my god. Sorry, dude. That's it just registered, which oh Jesus. Hey man, you set me up. I did, this, I this did. Is great sketch that's comedy, good. Ben. This is this is great. This is great. Your improv skills are absolutely on point. I underestimated them. I should I so did you ever take them. improv? Yes, uh, I I took a class at Second City um, in Toronto. Second um, City is as legit as it comes for our improv fans out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll and I'll and I'll tell you a story after um, after after I graduated from you know my comedy writing performance program, um, I got accepted to Second City's film school in Chicago. Unfortunately, I was the first Canadian they had ever accepted, and they weren't prepared for that. So wait, wait, are you kidding me? Canadians are hilarious. How did they, how had they not accepted a Canadian before? I, I it, that's what I thought too, especially since like Second City was pretty much uh, the the roots of it come from a lot of you know famous uh, Canadian SNL. Comedians. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. exactly. 
Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, they didn't have the accreditations to sponsor me a visa. So I never got to go. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. That is what a ge- Okay. Everybody, we need to send emails to Second City Chicago. That is garbage. Oh, man. It's yeah, it, 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 it's rough. And uh, uh, I, I was very, I was very much bummed about it, but I'm you know, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. Agreed. Then, like, same. Different dominoes fall into place. And then one thing leads to another. And then, you know, it, it put me here talking to Mr. Pat geek himself. So you know, <laughs> there you go. I consider that an absolute dub. <clears throat> absolute dub. Have you, um, so obviously uh, you're one of those OG uh, with Packy is one of those uh, OG hockey <clears throat> content shows, of course. Right. Uh, and as I'm sure, you know, uh, creating hobby content, the audience that you bring in can be very, very passionate. Right. So, so Jeff, have I, I have to ask uh, with Pack Geek, um, have you ever reunited two siblings? <laughs> My gosh, dude, you've done the most amazing research. <laughs> I am so impressed. I don't even remember where I talked about that, but I remember the story. Um, a, a guy, I don't remember if he emailed me directly or if it was a comment on you, uh, a YouTube video, an old YouTube video, but a guy said something to the effect of like, I, you know, my brother and I hadn't talked for a long time, maybe years. I might be taking liberties with story. It was, it was, it was dramatic though that he hadn't talked mm. to a sibling for a long time and said that they either bonded over collecting cards and then watched some pack geek together, or they bonded over watching pack geek, which sounds awesome, but I don't remember if it was that cool. If it was that great of a, of a story or a climax, but, uh, it, it was, it was very heartfelt and honestly it, it was the ultimate for me. I, I was thinking if, you know, as a storyteller, yeah. the ultimate goal is always to affect people. Absolutely. You, you want to affect them in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you want it to be memorable and you want it to be, um, heartfelt or at least enjoyable. And I felt like I had, I had literally just out of opening these packs, I had had done what I had set out to do as a storyteller. I had somehow affected these two and ended up helping their relationship. So that was just icing on the cake. But I, I was, I was really, really flattered by hearing a story like that. And hopefully it wasn't made up because <laughs> I told my wife immediately trying to convince her that I need to continue to do this, but yeah, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, man. Oh, that's that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, as you you summed it up perfectly. As a as a storyteller, as a content creator, our ultimate goal is with the stories that we tell, the content that we create, uh, to impact someone to in 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 whatever way it is. Um, for example, for me, the I guess my personal story with that is I've had people, you know personally DM me is like, yo man, your videos are getting me through this pandemic. And I'm like, for me, it's just like, damn, really? Like that's heavy. It, 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 it's super heavy. And like, as I'm sure you felt for yourself, it's like, wow. It's like, you know, I did my job. Right. But, so. but here's, here's the thing, Ben, you, you're making a great product and you're oh, being you. honest. You're being yourself. You're being, you're mm-hmm. making, you're making great, super fun content. I'm not surprised that's 
keeping somebody entertained during a horrible time, maybe the worst oh, time of their lifetime. That, but th- this is why we do it. But it's also why we sink our heart into the content and why we, why we stay up for, you know, stay up till five in the morning editing a video or, <laughs> oh, or we put a little extra love into it because it makes it mm-hmm. that much better. Like, that's why we do what we do. And dude, I'm happy you're being recognized because you do great work, but you don't need me to tell you because you probably oh, got man. all sorts of people emailing you telling you the same thing. But I, I believe that 100%. Jeff, if you pump my ego anymore, I won't be able to fit through my door. It'll just be just, it'll, <laughs> but I, I, I do appreciate that. Thank you uh, from the bottom, especially coming from you. So, hey, man, uh, it's just, it's just the truth, man. Whether it's, you know, getting people through a pandemic or, you know, reuniting siblings, you know, all, all that, all that fun stuff. Uh, uh, speaking of siblings, uh, what can you tell me about St. Stephen Presbyterian Church? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know this. I don't, I don't remember the story. Give me a clue. Okay. Um, let me, let me think. What can you tell me about the movie, the proposal? Uh, Oh, okay. Right. Um, gosh, was that Fort God was St. Steve. Okay. Um, I, I didn't know the name of that. I, we always call it Fort God. Now I know where you're going with this. Okay. So, uh, my wonderful wife, Hillary, she uh, she went to school at TCU, which is Texas Christian University. It's a local uh, Dallas Fort Worth college um, on the Fort Worth side, and she used to always uh, do her homework at this awesome little bluff. It was a church on a bluff. She nicknamed Fort God because it looks like a fortress on top of this uh, on top of this hill in Fort Worth. It's beautiful, scenic. Um, old. It had lots of lots of cool history with it, and so um, when I decided Hillary was the unlucky one that I wanted to <laughs> propose to, I uh, I created this book of of uh, it was it was it told the the story of our relationship by the movies we had seen together. So I, I wrote this horrible poem. It was intended to be beautiful and heartfelt, but it was really cheesy. And uh, it, it just told the story of our relationship. And the end was the proposal. We'd actually seen the proposal together. And so that was the natural segue to me asking her to marry me. And, uh, and it, it was just corny enough that she fell for it. And I tricked her into marrying me. And yeah, that was, that was pretty awesome, man. Gosh, your research is phenomenal. Dude, uh, you might be, maybe you're supposed to be an investigative reporter. <laughs> I, 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 I absolutely love that story. And you know what? It doesn't surprise me as well, uh, you know, when I, when, when I discover that, because I'm like, you know, with a, a storyteller of his caliber, I wouldn't expect him to go. <laughs> he has to go all nine yards, right? Um, with, with that said, the reason why I said speaking of siblings is I, there's a phrase that um, that I, I want I want you to enlighten me on, and it's uh, from brother to the sister to husband to wife. Uh, I I'm, I feel like I'm going to drop the ball here, Ben. Uh, some sort of wedding invite, or oh my goodness. Okay, sorry about that. I I was thinking I'm missing this phrase, yeah. so. Gosh, you really you teed this up perfectly for me. I'm sorry that I'm I'm not as quick as your tee ups. Are. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so uh, Hillary and I, my my wife, we met working on a movie 
Um, I was living in LA and she was, she was living here and I came back and a, and a, a director friend of mine in Dallas was directing this movie. And he asked me to come back and uh, be in it and help him to produce it. So I came back. We uh, are our leading actress dropped out because, well, she didn't drop out. We had to, we had to let her go because she had a crazy schedule and we weren't going to be able to film around this. We had to film almost a solid month to get this thing done in time. And, uh, and so we had to recast the lead, the, the female lead. So I, uh, you know, we, we saw a bunch of actresses and there was one that was amazing and that was Hillary and our lead actor recommended Hillary because they were in acting class together. So anyways, long story short, you know, we worked together for a month on this. She was amazing. I had a girlfriend at the time in LA. So like there, there weren't any real fireworks to, to speak of, but I, Thought she was wonderful, a wife material, as they say. And so I, I moved back to LA. My girlfriend at the time and I ended up breaking up like six months later. I reached out to Hillary because I'm like, this girl was amazing. What are the chances she's not married or you know has a serious <laughs> boyfriend at the time? And uh, and so she, gosh, I'm I'm taking this on a serious tangent. Anyways, I come back. We, we I, I moved back to Dallas. And we start dating, um, and then we we end up getting engaged. So our engagement invitation, uh, because Hillary has a sick sense of humor. Let me take one step back. In the movie, we played stepbrother and stepsister. Kind of creepy. <laughs> After knowing we got married, um, but in the the uh, invitation for our engagement party, Hillary said from brother and sister to husband and wife. And there were some people that were invited that didn't know the whole backstory. And so we had a lot of questions to answer, but uh, that's, gosh, what a convoluted story I had to tell to get to that. But dude, thanks for bringing that up. That, I love telling that story. I, I absolutely loved it when I heard it. it it's one of, it's one of those, uh, Huh? But then it's like, wow! <laughs> I believe that's, that. a, that's incredible. That's incredible. It's definitely a double take story where people are like, "Pardon me." Uh, well, it, it goes to show that you're a family man in more ways than one. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, speaking of family man, uh, what can you tell me about Fox Connor? Okay, so um, Fox Connor was a a general in World War One. I, I believe he was with. Um, gosh. So we knew we were having a son mm -hmm. and I, I have a crazy last name. It's spelled H O F E R E R. There's like a silent E R these crazy Germans added a silent E R onto a name. So it, it looks like Hofer, but it's pronounced Hofer. And so, you know, growing up being in class, the first day of school, inevitably, the teacher would come to a name and she would say Jeff and then it would just be a pause. And I'd be like, right here. I knew she couldn't pronounce my last name. It's, it's crazy intimidating to look at. Um, so I set out when I knew we were having a child to pick a name that was super easy to pronounce was familiar and easy, easy to spell. So uh, we, we, we went around we read about Fox Connor from World War One, a, a like a war hero. Um, Hillary had a favorite soap opera character named Fox Crane. I can't tell you which soap opera it was from. We love the name Fox. So, anyways, my son's name is Fox Hofer. 
Um, and, and yes. So I guess the million dollar question is, um, at what point do you pass your collection down to Fox? Well, it will, it will probably happen. He's interested. He, he is not, he, he doesn't have the collector hands yet. That's why mm. I call them because he will bend cards. He will try to eat cards. He will drop, drop a pile of cards and, and have no remorse. Um, he, he hasn't gu- gotten quite to where he, he appreciates condition sensitive sensitivity of cards, yeah. but I'm building him a collection already. So I'm putting together, it's a more well-rounded collection than my own, uh, <laughs> frankly, because I'm, I get so obsessed with a certain player and I just buy their cards. Mm. Um, I'm building him. He, we went to the Dallas card show recently and Fox came with me. We walked around and he he had one goal. It was to buy a soccer card because he's playing. Oh, wow. He's in daycare. He's playing soccer. He's two and a half, but he's already playing soccer. He didn't care about a baseball card or a basketball card or a football card. He wanted a soccer card. So we bought uh, we bought a Messi card. No, I'm sorry. We bought a Ronaldo card. Nice. But I got him a Messi card because I felt like he needed one of each. And so from there, my son has started building a soccer collection. <laughs> and then I, you know, I threw in a bunch of basketball, football, and baseball because I already had those. Mm-hmm. And I threw in some cards that I thought would be timeless. So the idea is that I'm building this collection for him. And in 10 years, I'm telling him about it now, just teasing him, mm-hmm. poor child. And in 10 years, I'm going to let him see the cards. He'll be roughly 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, let him see the cards if he wants to continue collecting, he can he can add on to those. Or if he wants me to just put them away and they can have him, you know, when he's an adult, that's fine. Or, you know, whatever we want to do. I'm I'm going to put him away for 10 years, though, because I think he'll have a lot more appreciation. And now I'm kind of trying to get him interested in just cards in general. So <laughs> in 10 years, you know, he'll know what to do with some cool cards. That's incredible, man. And that actually uh, segues perfectly into my final question for you, um, which I'll which I'll, I'll lead off with a quote first uh, that I Love think you'll quotes. appreciate. That, that that I think you'll appreciate this one. Um, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So, with that said, Jeff, I had to ask, what would you tell thirteen-year-old Jeff? Oh my gosh! From a life perspective or collecting perspective. Life perspective. We Life perspective. Here. All right. We, Very we get deep here. <laughs> this has been great, man. Before I answer this, man, I, I've had a blast chatting with you. This has been awesome. Thank you. Um, okay. So what I would tell Jeff, first off, I would have been a, an eighth grader almost going into high school. Um, don't sweat the kid stuff because I feel like kids get really wrapped up in you know, stuff that isn't, isn't going to matter in five years. That, that was one, that was one of the best lessons I learned in life. And I didn't learn it until I was an adult, but it was the, the idea of that you take something that's going on to you at a certain day and think about it in terms of, is this going to matter in five years? And it really puts things in perspective. So I think I would, I would try to tell young Jeff, um, you know, to keep things in perspective, things that seem big now, don't worry about them. Um, but also just to, enjoy being without lots of uh you don't have a full-time job you don't have you don't have you know a child to take care of you don't have all these responsibilities that kind of kind of add stress to uh an adult's life enjoy having 
a three month summer off, you know, do, do the things you can now with all this spare time. I didn't, you know, you don't realize as a 13 year old, how much spare time you have and how amazing it is to be able to take a nap whenever you want. You just kind of, you're riding the wave at the point, that point in time. So I think it would be some, a, a combination of, uh, take, you know, stop and smell the flowers, enjoy, enjoy having very few responsibilities and don't sweat the small stuff. And that's what I call a Jeff Hofer fairy tale ending. <laughs> that was my kaboom ending. That was your kaboom. 